This is the story of Error and the Scribe. Chapter 3, The Farm. We are releasing these episodes serially, so catch up on last week's episode before you listen to this one. Those that met us outside behaved cautiously. They seemed to be happy to see another human, especially one who didn't look malnourished or violent. Even though the outside of the theater looked decrepit and abandoned, it was all a ruse to hide its true purpose. Inside was a different world. This multiplex was full of people. When we stepped through the door, at least 40 pairs of eyes were drawn to our sudden interruption. The people here were definitely interested in who we were, but they were all so busy. They had shit to do, and one traveler couldn't get in the way of the day's tasks. We were led across a floor where people were working with odd-shaped vials and strange liquids. There were some familiar machines, but there were more strange, manifested mechanisms whose original purpose was no longer recognizable. I could see all sorts of humans, and many post-age altars, but the majority looked like they were homegrown, natural, unedited pre-birth. Though I could tell a few had been taking their vegetation research to their own bodies, because I just walked past a man with orange, tough-looking skin and green hair. Soul saw me staring and said in a hushed tone, He's from one of those arcs. I know his kind. Though I didn't know any had made it out of the jungles around the city. Ark? What's an ark? Jesus, how long have you been lost in the desert? Arks, you know, the last bastion of mankind. Fucking garbage, cesspools of morality and hypocrisy, like all places mankind infests. Before I could find out more, we were interrupted by a sweet little thing of about 20 years old in a lab coat. I took a good long read of her to see what I was dealing with. Her long blonde hair was tightly wound into a bun on top of her head, held there by a pencil. She had big blue eyes that seemed to glow ethereally, and porcelain skin splattered with glittering freckles that changed color in different light. She had delicately pointed ears. She was an altar, but the kind that's too modest to talk about it. Well, hello. Welcome to the farm. My name is Sue Ellen, and I can't tell y'all how happy we are that you're here. As you can see, we're all very busy fulfilling the great work set forth by the Creator for their chosen people to accomplish in their name. Oh, fuck no. Religious people. But the people's representative has chosen to give you audience, despite being very busy making miracles happen. Come right this way. Fuck. Religious commies? This wasn't gonna go well. She didn't wait for me to answer, and instead turned on her heel and began striding off with purpose towards the rear of this enormous room. In fact, everyone was moving like that. There was a kind of focus shared purpose gives people. A kind of serenity and perfection of movement, a synchronicity. Like a well-oiled machine, each part doesn't need to know its purpose. It just has to keep working, keep the motion going keep the magic happening. These people were onto something big. I could feel it. 
she led us downstairs into the basement, where security suddenly got a lot heavier. The theater melted away and revealed a seriously secure section of glassed-in labs. There were many people inside in rad suits, and all the doors had decontamination vestibules at the entry points. There were cameras, turrets, and scan bots at every level we passed through, and we ended up passing by three by the time she led us down a long set of poorly lit hallways to a simple-looking office door with a frosted glass window that read, and she gave them Tara. Just go on in and make yourselves comfortable. Red will be with y'all in a moment. I'll bring down some coffee. Do you like powder in it? Sue Ellen asked with a well-practiced smile. Thanks. No white for me. This was very weird. This whole thing had gone from fiery dust bowl, devoid of life, to the Manson family farm. And through all of this, Era had been so quiet. She must be working. I could tell she wasn't there. She was trying to figure out who and what these people were doing. But every time she's not there, I feel a bit like I'm missing an arm. Sue Ellen left us there. I looked at Sol. He looked at me. We both looked at the door. There was probably a moment for awkwardness, but I was already getting bored, so I opened the door and strode in, pushing past Bug Boy. To my joy, he looked perturbed. The room was simple, faux wood paneling and a gray aluminum desk, like the kind you'd see in a high school gym teacher's office. It was brightly lit by neon tubes and had a record player and a stack of albums in the corner. We sat in two folding chairs in front of the desk. They were exactly the same color, and I was quite content to sit in one and wait for this red person to arrive. But unfortunately, Bug Boy was coming down. He was shaking, and I could tell he was in a lot of pain. Do you know this red person? I said, knowing a bit of conversation might distract him, and hoping to gain a bit of advantage on her. She is their leader. She runs this joint. She gets me what I need to keep going. Do they make you the drugs? No, I make the drugs. They just get me the chems. But hey, listen. You can't trust her. She might seem kind and unassuming, but she's sharp. She'll plant a knife between your ribs if you try to fuck with her or any of her kin. She's a wily old broad, and she's got an angle. Like everyone around here. Yeah? What's your angle? Me. Huh. <laughs> you couldn't possibly understand. I ain't got no angle. At least not for you. I don't need you. You're just another pathetic lower form of life so reliant on your technology and systems you'd be mewling terrified apes if you lost it. Well, I can't argue with you there. But you're the result of tech. So where exactly would you be without it? Besides, if you're so fucking great, then surely tech by any means is a way to become a god. And mankind without the need of genetic manipulation has overcome its disability and inclination towards brutality to ascend to a similar aesthetic and ability. In some way, doesn't that make them better than you? He was a bit stunned, I think. But he was too late to respond, because right then, a door on the other side of the room opened loudly with a blam. In came Red. And she was magnificent. When Red was a girl, I'd bet she was the envy of every breeding townsfolk within four days' travel. 
She was six foot six. She had ivory skin covered in freckles and long flowing red hair, going gray around her face. And at her temple on one side, her hair had a shock of white that ran boldly down the length of it, which was tied into a loose braid. Her beautiful round face was deeply creased around her pale green eyes and around her mouth with years of laughter and good, honest hard work in the sunshine. She looked like salt-of-the-earth good people, someone with the joy of purpose in their life. She was built like a wrestler and as fat as someone who wouldn't say no to a second slice of cake. And I'm guessing by the color of her nose, another sip of whiskey. I liked her immediately. Well, that's all for today, folks. Ain't nothing for free. Tune in next week to find out Red's grand plan.